The Islanders are really, 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 really missing Alexander Romanov. One-timer, one-nothing, tic-tac-toe, bing-bang-boom. If the Islanders can't get more of an edge in the special teams battle, they really don't have a chance. And if you're a Rush fan, you know why I get excited by that, those numbers. Newsday presents the Island Ice Podcast with Andrew Gross. And welcome to Island Ice, Newsday's New York Islanders podcast, episode 161. As I'm back in my hotel room here in Raleigh, North Carolina, after the Carolina Hurricanes defeated the Islanders 2-1 in Game 1 of their first round series, Game 2 coming up on Wednesday night before the series shifts back to Long Island for Game 3 on Friday night and Game 4 on Sunday afternoon in the first ever playoff games at UBS Arena. And hi, I'm Andrew Gross of Newsday. You can find me on Twitter at agrossnewsday. And I'm going to break down and uh, give you my thoughts on Game 1 and what needs to be better in Game 2 for the Islanders to come back to Long Island with a much-needed split. You certainly don't want to be down 2 nothing going into that first-ever playoff game uh, at UBS Arena and maybe uh, suck some of that momentum from that, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a milestone game there and, uh, you want the crowd to be really, really up for it. So, uh, I'm not saying game two is a must win, but it would certainly, uh, uh, behoove the Islanders to get a win in game two on Wednesday night. And before delving, you know, deeper into the game, just overall thoughts. Yeah, it was a 2-1 loss, and we'll go over some of the reasons why the Islanders did lose it. But as a general picture, even though the Islanders could only manage the one goal and they went 0-4 in the power play, you got a brilliant performance from, from Ilya Sorokin, And in general, there were some signs of optimism that if the Islanders continue to do these things, they can build upon that foundation and maybe have success in this series. Um, I I certainly still think this is going to be a very long series. I think a 2-1 win from the Hurricanes uh, certainly tells you that this is going to be a closely played series and really goaltending and special teams will probably make the difference overall. But let's start with Captain Anders Lee talking about what the Islanders are feeling after game one and what they can build upon for game two. It's one game, you know, it didn't go our way tonight, but like I said, I thought we built our game pretty well throughout it, stuck with it, and and, uh, we got better as the game went on. Now, the big headline, of course, in Game 1 was the return of Matthew Barzell after a 23-game absence. Uh, The Islanders called it a lower body issue, a lower body injury. Uh, uh, Certainly, from the media standpoint, we all believe that it was a form of a knee injury. Uh, But Matthew Barzell came back. He went right back on the first power play unit. He went right back on Bo Horvitz's top line. Matthew Barzell now the right wing on that top line instead of centering it. And uh, Barzell 
played 21-12, and if you're a Rush fan, you know why I get excited by that, those numbers. But Barzell played 21-12. He, uh, he had two shots. You could see him his, some rust at the beginning. He wasn't, it didn't seem like he was making a huge impact uh, early in the first period as the Islanders really struggled to get to their game. Uh, I believe the Hurricanes took eight of the first nine shots in the game. And that's what the Hurricanes do, right? They, 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 they're volume shooters and they also hold other teams to, uh, to, to fewer shots. So, uh, that, that's the way it was looking early. And like I said, Barzell, uh, you know, he's got to play himself back in. He's been out for 23 games, but as the game went on, I, I thought Barzy, uh, became more and more noticeable. He was also on that first power play unit. Again, uh, as I said, the, the, the power play goes 0 for 4. The first couple of power plays, uh, were certainly better than the last couple, but, uh, um, the, the, the fact that Barzell is back in the lineup and he's got one game under his belt now, uh, he didn't really get to practice much with the team, uh, beforehand. He had been skating on his own for so long. Um, you expected some rust. I, I, I certainly expect him to the impact that Barzell can make, not only on himself, but on that first power play unit, and how him and Bo Horvat can maybe rediscover that chemistry uh, that they seem to develop in the, those first six games after the, uh, the acquisition of Bo Horvat from the Canucks before Matthew Barzell went out with the injury. Uh, asked Lane Lambert whether it was possible really to bridge that long absence uh, and, and continue that chemistry or build off that chemistry, even though uh, Barzell's last game before uh, uh, Monday night, and uh, the, the date on that is April 17th. So he was out February 18th through uh, April 17th. That is, uh, that, that is a long uh, gap there. But uh, Lane Lambert seemed pretty confident that Matthew Barzell would be able to uh, kind of rekindle quickly that chemistry with Matthew Barzell, uh, with Bo Horvat. And let's face it, uh, what the Islanders have to hang their hat on, the fact that they can get that chemistry going again. It's, it's way too short a series. Um, the Islanders' season could be over quickly if, if that doesn't get back. But uh, again, there were some, as you heard Andrews Lee say, there were some things in that game that you, you can bring into game two and, and reasonably expect uh, the Islanders to possibly be able to go back to Long Island with a split. But, but you know, it doesn't matter whether we're talking about this in the playoffs or in the regular season of late, for sure. If the Islanders can't get more of an edge in the special teams battle, they really don't have a chance in this series, no matter how well, Ilya Sorokin is able to play, and you certainly, he almost stole a game tonight. You expect him to probably steal a game or two over the course of this series. Um, but the, the, the power play goes 0 for 4. Meanwhile, the Carolina Hurricanes go 2 for 4 on their power plays, and that was goals on their first two power plays. The PK, uh, the Islanders' PK tightened up after that, but on that the, the the first Hurricanes goal, which came really quickly, by the way, it was at 3:47 uh, 
uh, the first period. And uh, uh, Sebastian Ajo, the hurricane Sebastian Ajo, uh, wins a uh, uh, offensive zone faceoff from Casey Sezikis. The puck is pulled back to the blue line, goes over to Brent Burns at the left point. Burns cross ice goes to the right circle. Ajo, one timer, one nothing, tic tac toe, bing bang boom. The Islanders are in a quick hole. And like I said, the, the Hurricanes wound up taking eight of the game's first nine shots. Uh, special teams, it's, you know, it sounds like, you know, a broken record at this point. The Islanders just, uh, they, they, they struggled with their offensive zone entries again. I did think the puck movement was better uh, with, with Matthew Barzell out there. That's just natural. Uh, once they did get into the zone, Barzi was able to use his skating ability to kind of get the uh, PKers going side to side a little bit. Uh, there were chances uh, created, uh, particularly in the first period. Honestly, it should have been tied up uh, on the power play. Uh, Noah Dobson. Uh, along the right wall, I believe, sends it in to Anders Lee right at the crease. And uh, that, that looked like a you know, tailor-made goal for, uh, for Anders Lee there. And he just, uh, something in the, uh, in the uh, doing, it just didn't work. Uh, Anders Lee couldn't really get his, uh, I guess he got his stick on it, but it was a weak attempt. Um, easy save for Ante Ranta, uh, and, but really that, that, that should have been a goal right there. And then, uh, later in the game, not on the, uh, power play, but, uh, Ranta really, I thought the, the difference makers, uh, after that, uh, first couple of minutes of the third period, both Anders Lee and Pierre Engvall got to the crease and, uh, Ante Ranta with a couple of really nice saves, um, there. But as I said, you know, the the Islanders, after that slow start in a 1-0 hole, which turned into a 2-0 hole uh, at 227 of the second period, as uh, Stefan Nason uh, deflects a Brent Burns blue line blast uh, past Ilya Sorokin, and it's 2-0, uh, 227 uh, of the second period. But... But, 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 uh, the Islanders, you know, score, what was it, uh, just, uh, at 2.51. So it was at 24 seconds later, uh, Ryan Pulak in, in a very odd goal. And, uh, uh, we'll talk about Ryan Pulak's game, but, uh, it was an unassisted goal. He's kind of stumbling and falling down through the right circle. And he sort of half whiffs on this shot. But he directs the puck at, at the net, and it, it should have been the easiest save in the world. And I, I really don't know what uh, Aranta was trying to do. Maybe he was trying to, you know, steer the uh, the puck into the corner with the stick. But he sticks his stick out sort of awkwardly, and instead of you know sending the puck away from danger, it, it deflects right in. So maybe no one more surprised that went in than Ryan Pulak, but it was a huge moment for the Islanders, and I thought the rest of the game was really even. Uh, 2-1, and, you know, the Islanders, again, back to special teams. They had a chance. Uh, Brent Burns goes off for slashing at 15 one 
of the third period and and the Islanders. That was a, just a that was god awful uh, power play there at the end. Uh, that that can't happen. Barzell's stick gets slashed at fifteen oh one. And, uh, you know, sort of a, it wasn't a last stand because the last two minutes, the Islanders were pretty frantic with Ilya Sorokin off the ice, created, I believe, six chances in the, in the last two minutes and uh, couldn't get the equalizer there. But uh, uh, on the power play, uh, at the end, you got to do better. Than, you just have to. And uh, it was, nothing was created, just absolutely nothing. It really just... All that power play did was suck two minutes off the clock, and uh, time ran out on the Islanders, essentially. Um, uh, one, one of the issues for the Islanders, and it was an issue for the Islanders, but also some credit to the Hurricanes, because uh, they did a great job in the neutral zone. They really did. Um, the Islanders never really generated any rush attempts. Uh, they, it was a hard slog through the neutral zone. And uh, the, the Islanders are going to have to solve that somehow. Um, you know, they're not the fastest team to begin with, but the Hurricanes made them look even slower uh, just because they couldn't advance the puck over the, uh, the blue line with regularity. And uh, the Hurricanes did, uh, you know, I'm not looking at the final stat, but puck possession time certainly was tilted in the Hurricanes' uh Ledger, and that that's something that the Islanders need to address going into Game Two. Um, quicker passing, it's better breakouts from the uh, from the zone, and uh, a lot of it, you know, not a lot of it. You don't want to throw everything on one guy, but it's funny we talk about Matthew Barzell coming back from this injury, but uh, the Islanders are really, 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 really missing. Alexander Romanov, uh, not just his physicality, they're mis- missing his skating, um, they're, they're missing that piece to help him break out of the, uh, of the, the defensive zone a little bit better, and, and the flip side is rookie Samuel Bolduc um, is probably in a situation that's a little unfair to him. Uh, he, I don't think he's quite ready for NHL playoff uh, action at this point. Certainly, uh, he was benched in the regular season finale, uh, as, as we talked about on the last podcast with uh, our friend Neil Best, uh, after allowing Nick Suzuki to just basically skate by him and score a short-handed goal. Uh, Islanders won that game 4-2. That's why we're talking to tonight, right? Because they're in the playoffs. But Bolduc was benched there. He, uh, I talked to him a couple of days later. He talked about, you know, learning the lesson and, you know, he's got to be a little bit quicker and he's got to be a little bit more aware and he, he can't nonchalant it, yada, yada, yada. And then uh, there were there were some turnovers. There were some defensive lapses tonight. Bolduc only wound up playing, uh, let's see, uh, he wound up playing only 851. Uh, so really, the, the the Islanders are going with five defensemen here, really relying on uh, Adam Pellick and Ryan uh, Ryan Pulak. Um, 
you know, and then the other pair being the Islanders, Sebastian Ajo with uh, Scott Mayfield. And uh, if you get a chance, uh, go to newsday.com uh, backslash Isles. <laughs> had fun writing this, uh, talking to uh, both Brendan Burke, the Islanders TV play-by-play voice, and Chris King, uh, the Islanders radio uh, play-by-play voice, about just how you handle a, a playoff series with two Sebastian Ajos in it, and one on each team. And, and that story is up on newsday.com. Uh, backslash aisles. But uh, talking about the neutral zone, uh, uh, after after the game one loss, I, I chatted briefly with Kyle Palmieri about both uh, the Islanders' struggles in the neutral zone and their struggles on the power play. Uh, they play it tight. Um, there's a lot of times where you're not really going to have uh, a ton of clean plays. It's about gaining lines and, and finding ways to generate speed and, and get out on the forecheck. I mean, you, it's it's not a team that's going to give up a ton of rushes. It's just you kind of just got to stick with it. And, and uh, if you get a break or a, a good bounce, maybe it results in a rush. But for the most part, we just uh, just got to find ways to generate speed so so we can get out on pucks and make it tough for them to break out. And, uh, and the, the, the power play going out for core serving the difference, I guess, with them going two for four. Yeah, I mean... It is what it is. We had some good looks, uh, and uh, they they scored. Um, yeah, I mean, it's. Uh, I don't think there was a a ton of things that we we have to look at and, and reinvent the wheel on. I thought we had some some decent looks and some uh, some good looks, but it didn't go in for us. Now, as I said, both teams had four power play uh, chances and. Look, I, I think that obviously that that's even right there, and the Hurricanes, you know, they made the most of their opportunities, and the Islanders didn't. So uh, I'm not saying refereeing, uh, you know, I'm not one of those guys who really, you know, the refs, you know, screwed one team, screwed the other team. I, I don't get into all of that, but uh, the refs, Gorge Wire and, and John Mc, uh, McIsaac, it was kind of a strangely called game. Um, you know, sometimes in the playoffs, uh, a little bit more stuff is let go. They were calling some things that I, I didn't think were going to get called or maybe shouldn't have gotten called. Obviously, uh, you know, Ryan Pulak, uh, I guess this is the, the best example when he gets called for uh, uh, for slashing. Um he wound up uh, slashing, getting called for slashing Na- uh, Stefan Nason uh, at the Islanders' crease at 140 of the uh, uh, the second period, and that led to uh, Nason's uh, power play goal, uh, the one I talked about where he deflected Brent Burns' shot. Um, I, I, I got to be honest with you, I, I didn't necessarily see what the refs called there, um, and, and Pulak was trying to race back uh, Adam Pellick, who had a little bit of a rough night there. Um, got caught, I believe, out of position. Pulak's trying to uh, make up for it. But, uh, uh, you know, that call was a little... Mm-mm. And then, uh, you know, you, you got... Uh, I don't know, there, there was the interference call the other way. Uh, I wasn't sure about that. There, there were just a, 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 maybe the Brock Nelson roughing call there. There were just a few calls I was surprised where guys wound up in the box. Um, but again, I, I, 
I'm not going to say that was the difference in the game because it, it went both ways. It, it really did. Uh, I thought there were, you know, a couple of odd calls going both ways there. Um, now, the, the, the goaltending, if, you know, playoff hockey to me, I, I, I'm, I'm, I've always been a big fan of good goaltending and watching good goaltending. You know, going back to being a little kid, I've always been fascinated with the position. And, you know, from that standpoint, tonight was a lot of fun. Um, you know, a 2-1 loss notwithstanding there. Watching Ilya Sorokin, I mean, this could have been, you know, the proverbial or the cliche. This could have been 4-1, 5-1. Um, Sorokin was back and forth. He was quick. He was tracking pucks. Gives up a, a few rebounds here and there. But I, I thought it was a brilliant performance by Ilya Sorokin. And, uh, you know, Antti Ranta, too. I mentioned those uh, started the third period. That was the difference, right? You know, um, he, he stops Lee and Ingvall right there. Uh, he made a blocker save. Uh, earlier in the game, uh, who was it that, that got through uh, as I scanned through my notes? Um, but, you know, I, I, I know he, uh, he had a really good in-tight blocker save. And, you know, there, there was just, you know, there was good goaltending both ways. And, uh, you know, the, the Hurricanes, you, you're going to see Frederick Anderson at some point in this uh, series. Uh, Rod Brindamore, the Hurricanes coach, has been alternating the two. Um, so, and he said before game one that you know, you're, you're probably going to see both. Um, he just felt it was Antti Ranta's uh, turn tonight, but uh, Antti Ranta does have some really good numbers in the playoffs, particularly at PNC Arena. Just uh, uh, reading from the uh, Carolina Hurricanes notes, it was the seventh win of his playoff career. All seven of those wins have come at PNC Arena over the last two seasons. Uh, in that 7-0 and uh, stretch, he's got a 1.16 goals against average and a 9.58 save percentage. Um, it's got a shutout there. I would expect to see the same goaltending matchup uh, in, in Game 2. And then maybe Anderson gets Game 3 uh, when the series shifts to UBS Arena. And look, uh, before game one, there was a, a little bit made about, you know, this is really Ilya Sorokin's first time uh, coming into an NHL postseason as the clear-cut number one Islanders goalie. And while that's true, look, I talked to Ilya about this, uh, others did, and it's it's a completely mistaken narrative uh, to, to kind of frame him. And remember, Sorokin's 27, he's not a kid. Um, but it, it, it's wrong to frame him as like a playoff newbie in, in any sense. Um, look, he went, you know, year after year, he went to the KHL playoffs with Siska Moscow. Uh, in 2019, he was the playoff MVP. He leads his team uh, to the KHL's equivalent to the Stanley Cup, which is the Gagarin Cup. Um, and uh, look, he, he was really good in 21 in the series against the Penguins, uh, even though Varlamov was really the goalie that, you know, gets the Islanders to the uh, Eastern Conference final, Sorokin went 4-1 uh, during that playoff uh, in 2021. And here, here are the, his KHL playoff numbers, which I, I just think are off the chart. Uh, he was 50. That's a 5-0. He was 50 
17-0 in 69 appearances. He had a 1.37 GAA in the KHL playoffs. Uh, that included 16 shutouts. Uh, 16 shutouts in 69 playoff games. That's, that's amazing. And, and his save percentage overall for a KHL career was 9-4-0. Obviously, it's not the same game, not the same quality of players, but... Uh, you know, in his home country, that's the, the, the top professional league. There, there's the same amount of pressure. And, you know, Ilya just, he's so hyper-focused and, and he's got such a good attitude about, you know, it's just a game. doesn't matter whether it's a preseason or a regular season or an elimination game. It's just another game to him. And uh, he, he really does well with that. Um, so... You know, again, it was really fun watching Ilya uh, navigate through this, uh, through the game. Um, I mentioned Ryan Pulak had the uh, uh, game one's lone goal. Um, he also had nine credited hits, and he was just, he was a checking beast <laughs> throughout the game. It started 20 seconds into the game. He just absolutely leveled Jack Drury, and he did not let up. Uh, the rest of the game really didn't. Um, and, uh, you know, after the game, Coach Lane Lambert called Ryan Pulak's game amazing, quote unquote, said it was the most physical he'd ever seen Ryan Pulak play. So uh, that that can't be an outlier. That's That's got to be the way not just Ryan Pulak plays here. If the Islanders are going to win this series, if they're going to, and, and not, let's not even go if they're going to win this series. Let's, let's, Think like the Islanders are thinking. If they're going to win game two, if they're going to get off to a game, a good start in game two, Ryan Pulak, he can't be the only guy playing physical like that. And I'm not saying he is. I'm just saying it's got to be a team effort there. And you noticed uh, Lane Lambert started uh, the identity line again, Casey Sezikis with Matt Martin. And Cal Clutterbuck, uh, I'd like to see that trio maybe make uh, a little bit more uh, of an impact on the game um, as they did against the Canadians in the uh, season finale. I'm not saying the Sezikis line was bad, um, far from it. I shouldn't even use the word bad. I'm just saying I'd like to see a little bit more from them in in game two. And that that goes as well for uh, Adam Pellick. And, you know, there there were some instances... We, we talk about Adam Pellick having the best stick on the uh, on the team, and, and he did break up some rushes with his stick. And uh, so I don't want to say it's all negative with Adam Pellick uh, in game one, but it, it certainly wasn't his best game. Uh, it was a, uh, he had a brutal turnover that it didn't lead to a goal. That, that was the sequence where uh, Stefan Nason bangs it off the post. It was a confusing sequence, didn't quite know how the refs were calling it. Originally, I thought Nason had knocked the puck in, but that, that was the one where Pulak got called for uh, uh, the, uh, the the slash that led to uh, Nason's uh, power play goal. And I believe that that whole sequence started with the Pelic turnover. Um, like, like I said, it was just kind of a, an off game in terms of the passing and uh, maybe some of the decision-making. Um, but, but again, Adam Pellick, uh, really did have, uh, you know, some nice stick work at, at the same time. Uh, 
Also mentioned Samuel Bolduc, uh, eight minutes and change, and I, I think he's just a little bit overmatched right now. Um, so, uh, you know, the, the only other option really right now, unless you get Alexander Romanov back, and look, Lane Lambert said no update today. Um, and uh, he is, Romanov did travel to Carolina, but the Islanders are not practicing on the off day between games one and two. So I, I don't see how Romanov gets back into the lineup for uh, for game two. And uh, uh, they really could use his uh, physicality uh, back in the lineup. Uh, the Islanders played a very physical game. Um, Ryan Pulak's nine hits were uh, part of 43. Um, Matt Martin had six and, um, but you know, the Hurricanes also played physical with 39 and, uh, um, they just wanted to, I spoke to Noah Dobson, uh, about both, uh, the physicality, uh, needed against the Hurricanes and what he saw and, and also, uh, a little bit about neutral zone play. Yeah, I thought we had great physicality tonight. Um, we, I thought overall in the neutral zone, we did a good job, kind of forced them. They dumped a lot of pucks. Um, we just got to find better ways at times, just to be a little cleaner on those those dump ins. They dump a lot of pucks to break them out and kind of get pucks in their end. I thought when we got into their end, we did a good job of sustaining some stuff. So we'll have to build on that. So that's what I jotted down in my notes, and now let's uh, see what uh, what pressing. Pressing questions you have off of game one. It's time for your questions with Andrew's Answers. Continuing the Samuel Bolduc theme, uh, there were there were three questions here. Uh, Doc Ad says, assuming Alexander Romanov can't go in, in game two, uh, we should just play 13 forwards and five defensemen because Bolduc kills us when he's on the ice and he's basically like playing five minutes anyway. And... And then Brian Gill says, if Bullduck is not playing on the power play, why is he playing over Parker Weatherspoon? And Dirk Check says, should we replace Bullduck with Parker Weatherspoon? And, um, you know, I think Brian Gill makes an excellent point because uh, Sebastian Ajo, the Islanders' Sebastian Ajo, uh, did replace Samuel Bullduck as the uh, quarterback on the second power play unit. So... Uh, uh, the Islanders Ajo is getting that time. Bolduc is not on the power play anymore, and he's not playing on the PK either. And you know he's being skipped over as as Lane is, is playing the five defenseman. But no, I, I I don't think you want to go thirteen and five because then if you get a defenseman hurt, you know you you're looking at you know, basically like one pair just keeps following the other pair onto the ice. Now uh, that doesn't work. You can't dress five defensemen. I, I understand why you're saying that, but no. Uh, even the eight minutes or the nine minutes that Bullduck um, played helped out in in, in keeping Pelic and and Pulak and Aho the Islanders, Sebastian Ajo, and Scotty Mayfield, uh, uh, just just fresh enough to, to log, you know, the 20-plus minutes. And uh, look, the issue with Parker Weatherspoon, and uh, again, you know, we, if you go back to the archives of past Island Ices, you've heard me say that when Parker was playing, I, I, I liked his steady 
kind of game. I mean, there's there's not much sizzle there. It's you know, it's just a, a very simple stay at home you know physical game. Uh, now the the issue is Parker Weatherspoon is uh, he's going on you know forever having not played. Um, so you know, yeah, he's he's practicing and he's staying on the ice after practices and and, and all that stuff, but. Really, I mean, he's been an inactive player uh, for far too long right now to know what you're going to get if if you decide to 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 throw him in the lineup. And especially, like I said, uh, the Islanders not practicing on the uh, the day in between games. So uh, you know, I I don't think a morning skate on Wednesday is going to get Parker up to speed. Uh, look at this; he's. Uh, his last game was January 21st against the Hurricanes, you know, uh, strangely enough. Um, but I, I think that's a really hard ask of Parker Weatherspoon uh, to, to go in under those circumstances. Um, let's see. Keith Amato with a transition question here. Yes, Samuel Bolduc's inexperience hurt them. So what's the answer if Romanov can't go in game two? Well, I think the answer is you, you're you going to see Bulldog again, and you're, you're probably going to see him in the uh, you know under 10 minutes range again. I, I don't necessarily know that there is another answer right now if Romanov can't go. Um, but Keith Amato goes on to say, how did Matthew Barzell look? Because he was not very evident on the ice and didn't seem to do much offensively. Uh, seemed like the first line was invisible, or is that just me? And uh, as I said, uh, you know, uh, at, at the beginning or when I was talking about Barzy, um, yeah, he, he looked rusty at the start. He got better as the game went on. And uh, I wouldn't say the first line was invisible because Bo Horvat uh, created a, you know, a good chance or two. Um, and again, it was not invisible because you, you noticed Anders Lee not being able to uh, convert at the uh, crease uh, a couple of times. Um, Isles and Smile says, would mixing up the first line be an option? Anders Lee looks slow there and having a lot of trouble bearing the chances they create for him. And the switch would be, and they've done it before, and you know what? I don't necessarily think it's a, it's an awful idea. It would be probably what they would do would flip-flop Anders Lee, put him with uh, Gigi Pajot, and then elevate Zach Parisi uh, with Barzell and uh, Bo Horvat. And, and that's probably your switch. I don't think you want to... I know they didn't produce points uh, today, but uh, I don't think you're ready to to mix up uh, Pierre Ingvall, Brock Nelson, Kyle Palmieri. That that line still has you know a little bit of uh, chemistry going, so I'd keep that together. So uh, if you want to take Lee off of Horvat's left wing, which uh, again. You know, I, I'm not saying it's the worst idea in the world. I, I, it would be for Zach Parisi, um, you know, because, well, it, it would be there. I mean, you, you do have Josh Bailey, uh, who is a healthy scratch, um, but I, I think Zach Parisi would be the guy to, to go to if you want to get Lee off that line. Um 
Brian G says, will the Islanders coaching staff modify their system a little because they need to take a lot more chances to get scoring opportunities than they did tonight, or they will get swept? That was some uninspired offensive play. Uh, they played too safe. Um, well, I mean, what you're talking about, Brian G, is uh, sort of what Lane Lambert tried to do at the beginning of the season, where he opened it up and he sacrificed some defense for offense, and that went until about December, uh, mid-January, and that's when they went back to what you're more used to from the Islanders, which is more of a, you know, tightened up, uh, less risk-taking uh, game. And it look, it, it got them to the playoffs. And I, I'll tell you what, the Islanders will take 2-1 games every single playoff game. This is their comfort zone. Yeah, they were on the wrong side of the ledger today, but they, their belief is if they get into, you know, a, a, a lot of 2-1 games, they're going to win more than they're going to lose. So th- this is their comfort zone. This is the way they want to play. Um, they just, you know, they just need to have the two goals instead of the one. So, no, I, I don't think they're going to modify the system, certainly not in the playoffs. This is not the time to do that. Um, Thomas Boyle says, why do the Islanders have so much trouble with the Hurricanes? I wanted Boston, uh, would have had a better shot at, beat, at beating them, uh, Thomas. Um, I'm not, <laughs> I, I, I really... You know, I, I I don't see anyone beating Boston. Um, you know, I, well, I, they're my pick for the Stanley Cup champion. Uh, but I, uh, uh, I I certainly don't see them going out uh, at any point, really. Um, and as far as the Hurricanes um, uh, go, yeah, they've they 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 have been beating the uh, the Islanders with a, a little bit of frequency. It's uh, it's uh, four or five now uh, this season, including three or four in the regular season. And I, I had the stat um, in one of my stories, um, but they have a really good record uh, against the Islanders um, since they uh, swept them in the uh, in the second round in 2019. You're not wrong about that. Why did why did the Islanders have so much trouble with the Hurricanes? Well, I, I mean, let's start with the fact that look, the Hurricanes are a really really good team. They got 113 points. I know Andrei Svechnikov is out, and just imagine how dangerous they would be with him in the lineup. Um, they play a structured four-line game. There's a lot of similarities to the way the, the Islanders play in, in the in the way they want to be physical, but they they just have more team speed than the Islanders do. You know, uh, I would say on paper you look at it, and then the Hurricanes are a better team. Um, that's not saying the Islanders can't play with them because uh, I certainly think they can. Um, let's see, Matthew Valio says. Why do they continue to run the same power play system? Uh, just play a regular line. It's the only thing that worked. And, uh, you know, I did ask Lane Lambert that after practice. Uh, it was the day he decided to try the Brock Nelson with Pierre Engvall and uh, Kyle Palmieri line together on a power play uh, unit. And, and I don't have an answer as to why they only tried that for one game and they didn't stick with it because I agree. Uh, you know, it, at some point here, rather than playing a unit, I would like to see him just throw out a line and 
you know, two defensemen and uh, see what happens because they play better five and uh, five on five, and, and they lose momentum skating five on four. So why not have a one of those five man units they use to you know to play better five on five? I don't I don't think it's a crazy idea. Um, Ross Goldman says Islanders haven't been able to put together a good power play for years. Multiple PP coaches line combos. What can be done to resolve this? Well. Uh, you know, I, I think the issue would be, uh, better power play personnel. I mean, that's one of the reasons you imported Bo Horvat. Um, and he had good chemistry with, uh, Matthew Barzell. That, that was clicking. What was that? Five for 15, uh, five for 16. Uh, those, uh, those five games that they played together, uh, before, uh, uh, Barzell got hurt. So, you know, you got to get a boomer. You got to get a really good quarterback. Noah Dobson has, has been okay, but I, I think they expected more from him. You got to get a, a, a defenseman who can really lead and, and get up the ice and, and help with the offensive zone entries. And uh, I, I don't know it's going to be an easy fix. That's a lot of salary cap questions, too. Um, Lurch Mob continuing this theme. Islanders' power play has been perpetually bad. At what time do we see a coaching change there? Well, look, Johnny McLean was brought in this season um, to try and get it going. It, it hasn't necessarily worked, uh, and I think that's a bigger picture. Whether Johnny Mack comes back or not, you know, it wouldn't shock me if he doesn't just based on the power play. Scott says, how many games do you think the series will go? Is it too late to fix their power play after 83 games? It's stunk for years. How do you think Barzell played in his first game back? And is Newsday letting you stay in a really nice hotel with good Wi-Fi and good room service? And uh, yes, Newsday is very, very good to me. They really are. I'm very comfortable as I sit in my hotel room. I did not order room service because I had a good meal at the arena. But yeah, no, uh, everyone say thank you to Newsday because they 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 do let me stay in a nice hotel. Um how many games do you think the series will go? My pick was the Hurricanes in seven. So uh, nothing, you know, I, I still think it, 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 it will go the full seven. Is it too late to fix their power play? Look, if Barzell and, and Horvat rediscover whatever flame they had, those first five, six games on the power play, it could, it could change on a diamond in game two. And uh, we talked about Barzell. Chris says, if Josh Bailey plays game two, who comes out? Hudson Fashing? And uh, I no, I, I don't think Fashing comes out. He was active today, um, drew a penalty. Um, they, they certainly like him on that third line. And uh, I, I should note that this... Game one was the first time uh, Josh Bailey had been a healthy scratch for a playoff game since uh, he came to the Islanders in 2008. He missed two games in the 2016 uh, playoffs. I think the first two games of the Lightning series in the second round, but this was the first time he had been a healthy scratch, only the third time he'd missed a uh, playoff game in his career. So, uh, you know, I don't see them bringing Josh Bailey back for uh, game two. Um, Eric says, do you think Lou could make a change behind the bench if the team doesn't win a round? Or did clinching the playoffs also clinch another year for Lambert? I will answer that by saying this. I, 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 it's not about clinching another year for Lambert. What I, if Lou Lamarillo is back next season, 
I, I, I'm, I, I, I believe Lane Lambert will be back. He got the team into the playoffs. He, you know, after they stumbled through January, he righted the ship. He, he deserves to get some credit for, for keeping the team together through an awful January and still steering him into the playoffs. And I think Lou, an old coach himself, will, will recognize that. But again, you know, if, if Lou Lamarillo isn't here next season, and if Chris Lamarillo is not the GM, and it's a whole new regime, well, then they're probably going to want to bring in their own coach. So, yeah, you know, if, if they, if, the Islanders don't win around, and there's a new GM and president here next season. It, it, Lane really could be one and done, but but, but it, that's not a Lane Lambert question. That's more a Lou Lamarillo question. And uh, with that, um, that is the conclusion of episode 161 of the Island Ice podcast. I really appreciate you uh, uh, submitting your questions and listening along, and we will try and do this again after game two on Wednesday night. In the meantime, you can go to newsday.com backslash aisles, and until next episode, happy hockey, everybody.